We're finishing up what God has to say about these, these uh, things that we assume are, are biblical but really aren't. Uh, next week we're going to start the series on who dat? Uh, men and women of the Old Testament and one in the New that we don't hear a whole lot about, but there certainly was a big impact on, on kingdom building. We often use the phrase, God settles it, I believe it, that settles it. I, there's even a gospel song that uh, is, is out with that, an old, uh, old, I don't know if the Gaithers sang it, or, but it's a, it's, a, it's a neat song, but it's not really biblical. And we often use this phrase to defend our actions or to attack the beliefs of somebody else. But the Word of God requires that uh, more than simple adherence to Scripture. Uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, is another phrase we hear tossed around a lot by Christians. Last week we talked about the, the phrase, uh, money's the root of all evil, when in reality the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And the week before that we looked at the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. And, and how it's true that we have to put some effort into, uh, into a lot of things. There's also times when we are unable to help ourselves. The only thing that can, can uh, uh, get us out of, the, out of the mess we're in or settle an issue is God's direct intervention. And then everything happens for a reason. We talked about some of the things that happen, but they're either by choice... Or sometimes it's just that God wants us to experience the abundant life, so uh, he's, he's, uh, there is no reason. He just wants it to happen. So this phrase that we're dealing with this morning, uh, I, I think it, we need to flesh it out and see exactly what it means. Uh, God said it. Uh, is, is that really in the Bible? You know, that... Uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Is that really in the, in the Scripture? And the problem is that the Bible is both the Old and New Testaments. There are all these laws and regulations that are laid out. And there are an abundance of those things. Um, one of the... Uh, Denise sent me a, a, a text this uh, yesterday. And uh, it was a good question. You know, here's this girl that... Her young woman that... a woman that... Uh, is, is now a widow, doesn't have any kids, it appears, and uh, uh, she moves back home. And moving back home, and it happens to be that she's the daughter of a priest, is, is there a requirement that he feeds her? And yeah, there, there is. And part of that is, that is uh, an Old Testament law. Well, I, I don't think that you're going to turn away your kids if they're hungry. You're going you're gonna to let them come back in. Well, at least the grandkids. But... Uh, Great grandkids too. <laughs> we heard Jesus uh, wrestling with with these with these things as we uh, as we look at Matthew twenty one, Matthew five twenty one through forty five. Let me read this for you. You've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. Now in the in the older translations, it's you know thou shalt not kill. Um, you know, is all killing murder. No, of course not. 
but, but this is the actual wording is, thou shalt, you, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you are angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, not bonehead, you, bonehead's okay, maybe, <laughs> you're subject to judgment. You're in danger of being uh, brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on your way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you'll be thrown in prison. If that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. You've heard the commandment that it says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. You've heard the law. It says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of a divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife unless he has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery... And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by the earth because the earth is his footstool. And I said, do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the king, great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. This was before Clairol was invented, incidentally. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. You've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you in that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. See, even in these foundational teachings... Jesus was struggling with the, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You know, he made some conditional things here. You know, if a man looks on a woman with, if a man uh, uh, sleeps with a woman, then he commits adultery. And then he says, but, I say, and so he goes on to give these prescriptions that, that go past the law because it's a dealing with the, uh, the, the affairs of the heart. What's the attitude of, of man? It's not really all that simple. Part of the problem with this phrase is that we use it to prove a point. You know, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. 
you know, so that kind of tries to get us off the hook rather than uh, really justify anything that we're, any pronouncements, spiritual pronouncements that we're making, uh, even when maybe these pronouncements are, are wrong, ill-conceived. To show that we're right or that someone else is wrong, we'll say that. Let, let me illustrate this with a story. It's kind of a funny story. In the 1830s, indoor plumbing was invented. And uh, churches began talking about adding toilets to the, to the church, thus eliminating the outhouse. See, if we had outhouses would be back here. The problem... These these preachers they, 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 they get they get into stuff that, that causes all kinds of problems here. It was a seemingly obscure passage from the book of Deuteronomy, and here's what it says. Deuteronomy twenty three, twelve through fourteen. You must have a designated area outside the camp where you go to relieve yourself. This is when the Jews were traveling through the promised land, right? And he said, Each of you must have a spade as part of your equipment. So, you got to find a place and then you got to carry your shovel. Whenever you relieve yourself, dig a hole with a spade and cover it. The camp must be holy, for the Lord your God moves around in your camp to protect you and to defeat your enemies. He must not see anything shameful, any shameful thing among you, or he will turn away from you. Well, it, it makes good sense. You don't just, you know, drop and plop. You got to have some place to go. Well, so the preachers, they had to have been Baptists. They start preaching from this text, arguing that toilets couldn't be in the church because it was indecent and it would defile, uh, uh, defile the Lord's house. So it was better to keep the houses out back away from the church house. So people were using this passage to support their belief that churches needed to stick without houses. And here's the thing. We cannot stretch Scripture to prove a point. Even if we think it's a good point. It doesn't take a genius to know that modern plumbing is much more hygienic than outhouses. Sooner or later, you've got to dig a new hole and cover the old hole up. Well, part of this is, is these, this, this whole idea of... of uh, looking at, at Scripture from the point of view of God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I think there's five principles we need to look at. The first principle is the spirit of the law is more important than the letter of the law. That's what, that's what the, the Pharisees were so good at. You know, the, the, here, here a guy's ox is in the ditch and it's on the Sabbath. He's got to get the ox out because he'll lose his livelihood or... or the ox will die. And then you got a bigger problem. So, but the Pharisees are saying, well, you know, you can't because that's work to get the ox out. And, and Jesus went round and round with the Pharisees because they were more concerned with the letter of the law than the spirit of the law. And it wasn't given as a mechanical set of rules which men were, uh, men in their own power could govern regarding outward living. It was given as a guide to the type of character that God requires. God requires holiness. God requires faithfulness. 
God requires justice. The second principle is that the law is positive as well as negative. It, its purpose isn't only to prevent, is, is to, is not only is to prevent inner and outward sin, but to promote inner and outward righteousness. That's what the law was to do. The third principle is that the law is not an end of itself. The, its deeper purpose goes beyond purifying the lives of God's people. It's a whole lot more important than shovels and holes. It's more important than are we have inside toilets or the outhouse. Its supreme purpose is to glorify God himself, the purpose of the law. The fourth principle is that God's, God alone is qualified to judge men because he alone can judge man's hearts. Say, well, you know, by uh, whatso, whatsoever man thinketh, so is he. You know, so if it's in your head and it comes out, you say, I can, I can judge that man. Well, God says you really can't judge his heart, his true intent. Only God can do that. Only the Creator has the right and the ability to judge the deepest inner workings of man. You know, we can't, we, we can't go there because we don't know. The last principle is that every human being is commanded to live up to the perfect divine standard to which the law points. Because that command is impossible for man to fulfill, God knew that. He knew that we would fail. He knew that, that in, his, in his foreknowledge, he knew that, that man was going to fall in the garden. He knew that he would, he would fall far short of, of his righteousness. And so he provided uh, a way out, a fulfillment of his word through uh, Jesus Christ. And, and so the Bible says that we shouldn't use, uh, basically says the Bible, sh uh, we, we shouldn't use the bathroom in church, but that's a regulation that just doesn't make sense in modern times. Use the bathroom, please. Don't go out back. You know, there's a lot of other, the, uh, other passages that, that, that uh, are, are that, you know, you can't eat, you can't eat pork or shrimp. Uh, there's nothing better than a thick, boneless pork chop. I'm glad that God says it's okay. Shrimp on the barbie, nothing better. Uh, men not trimming their beards. Todd, if you trim it, you're out. Or cutting their hair. Well, what about us guys that don't have any hair to cut? Yeah, we're hung up already. I mean, we're, we're hung on the, on the horns of a dilemma. If a child, if a child, listen to this, children. Listen to this. What, you don't have to do this because of this. I know none of you would do this. But if you kids would curse your parents, you would be stoned to death. You'd be killed under the Old Testament law. Yeah, you're out. Now, I don't know how many parents would kill their daughters or their sons. If you work on the Sabbath, you'd be put to death. If a priest's daughter is not a virgin when she's married... Her father is to stone her. Huh. 
I'm, I'm so glad for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. The Old Testament laws were simply not relevant and ap- uh, applicable anymore because Jesus Christ fulfilled the law when he went to the cross on Calvary. We don't have to keep that anymore. We can eat what we want. We can, we don't, we're not under those, those prescriptions that, that uh, uh, if we do something wrong, we're going, to, uh, we're going to be stoned, we're going to be killed. Here's the thing, we, we revere the Bible as the Word of God, and, and to different people that means different things. For some people, the Bible is the literal Word of God, and it was dictated to God by humans who wrote down word for word what God said to them. I think that, that God was able to use the personalities of men and, and their, their, uh, the way that they uh, would, would write uh, and, and use that through the illumination of the Holy Spirit to write down God's Word and what it said. And I believe in the originals, his, his, each and every word was, was divinely inspired. God breathed in to each and every word in the original transcripts uh, what he had to say. Some people are those who see the Bible simply as a, as a work of literature. The bestseller today is still the Bible. The Bible reveals to us many truths about who God is and how he relates to humanity. John 1.14 says, So the Word, and this is the Logos, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and, and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, his one and only Son. And here's why that matters. So Jesus was, uh, Jesus was uh, presented by a legal, with a, a question from a, from a scholar in Matthew 22. It says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? What's the most important? And, and this is one of those gotcha moments. And, and Jesus saw it. He, he, I mean, those Pharisees, they were, they, they were like a pane of glass. You just see right what they were going through and, and what they were wanting. Jesus replied, You must love, your Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And he could have ended there, and that would have made the Pharisees happy, but he, he added a but. And... The second is equally important. As, as important as to love your God with all your, your, uh, your heart, soul, and your mind, it's equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. <laughs> love God, love your fellow man. Yeah, but what if that fellow man is... I, I don't see any yeah buts here in the scripture. There's 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 no there's no room for excluding anyone. Well, what if their lifestyle is in direct opposition to how I live? Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? God says, love them. Yeah, but what if this gal is sleeping with every guy in town, including crazy Uncle Ralph? God said, love him. Love him. 
You know, we have, we had that, that, uh, uh, that group of homosexuals that came in here. That, I'm speaking figuratively. We, and, uh, and they were sitting, they, they didn't do anything. They just, you know, the, the pink hair and, and loud dress was kind of offsetting. But, you know, do we really want to have a church full of those kind of people? God says, love them. Love them. See, because Christ is the Word made flesh, we have to read everything in light of Jesus Christ and in His revelation. It's the Word that settles it. We have to take seriously the Word of God as, as contained in the Bible, as revealed in Christ. And God's Word matters. It, it, God's Word's what matters, not what we believe about it. Not what's comfortable to us. Not what fits the prescription that we have of what Christianity is. Because there's a lot of unlovely people out in the world, and it starts probably with me. And God's Word commands us, you got to love me. You don't have to like me, but you got to love me. And you get, you got to love those people who are different than us. You don't have to love what they're doing. You don't have to love their sin. But you have to love them. Why? Because they are made in the image and likeness of God. And if God thought so much of them to make them, and He loves them, we've got to love them too. God's Word matters. It isn't about God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I, I would pray today that we seek God's will and God's way in our lives every single day. And, and the main thought this morning is don't use the Bible to defend our bad actions and poor decisions. Attack bad actions or poor decisions of others. We have to use Scripture as a tool, as a weapon, as the sword of the Spirit to wage war against the enemy and all the evil. That's when God says it, and I believe it, and that settles it, when he says that we are to wage war with the enemy, not one another. I believe, friends, that in the Christian faith, we see this a lot. We see a brother or a sister that has that, that that's got wounded. They've 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 had they've had just a, a horrible run of of of, for lack of a better word, luck. And they're on their last leg. They are down and out. And we as Christians, rather than applying Galatians 6.1, you who are spiritual, restore a brother who's caught in sin. We don't do the restoration. We take out, they're wounded, they're laying there. We take out a gun and shoot them in the head. Christians are the only people in this creation, the only people in, the, in, in any culture that shoot their wounded. We need to love one another. Well, they don't act like we do. No, you're right. Yeah, but you know what they did? 
Yeah, I remember that, and it was a disappointment. It was kind of painful. And that hurt a lot. That doesn't lessen my love. Well, they're not here anymore. They were your friends when they were here? Yeah. But why aren't they your friends now? Because they left church? Church is the basis for your friendship? I don't read that in Scripture. God says, love them. And that's what we need to do. Love them. And that's where I can come to that place of saying, God said it. That settles it. Love one another. Don't use the Bible to, for our bad decisions or actions. Don't use the Bible to... Uh, we need to attack the bad actions of poor decisions. Ultimately, we need to act in a way that reveals Christ's love and helps others and ourselves grow in their relationship to God. Make sense? It does to me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and, and thank you for your people. Thank you for the fact, Lord, that we are all really, really different. And, and you are such a creative God that you made us different. And we should be able to rejoice and embrace those differences. And in spite of those differences, uh, the oddities, the quirks, Christians are quirky people, <laughs> that we can reach out and love and not beat them up with our rendition of the Bible. Help us, Lord, that we could help others help ourselves grow in a relationship with God. And Father, if there's one here today that does not know you, that does not have a, a clue of their need for a relationship with a holy God, Lord, may this be the day that they would settle that through a, a simple uh, prayer of faith. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and, and I don't understand it all, but in the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my life and save me. And I believe when you died on the cross, you died in my place, that I could live with you forever. And I thank you for that in your son's precious name. Amen.